0: Welcome back to the Better Boundaries podcast, sponsored by Utahns for a responsive government. I'm Kyle Fryant, Deputy Director of Better Boundaries, and I'm hosting today's episode. In November of 2021, it became clear that legislators of both parties ignored the transparent process of the Independent Redistricting Commission. In order to hold legislators accountable, we were proud to announce the creation of the Better Boundaries Accountability Pack. In 2022, the PAC supported over a dozen candidates from across the state of Utah and across the political spectrum who had a record of supporting transparent and independent redistricting. Thanks to hundreds of Utah-based supporters, we raised and spent over $100,000 to support those candidates. With the 2024 election just around the corner, we're excited to continue to support candidates with a commitment to community-based redistricting. And we're excited to announce our first endorsement of the cycle. Today, we're joined by Hong Nguyen, who's running for Utah House District 23. And I'm proud to announce that the Better Boundaries Accountability Pack is endorsing Hong and plans on investing strongly in ensuring her election. Hong, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Thank you for having me. And thanks for your, thanks for being here. So, could you give our listeners just a short introduction to you?
1: Absolutely. My name is Hong Nguyen. I am a business owner here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've been living in Utah for the last 30 plus years now. Uh, my family and I started our family business about 13 years ago, uh, we have some businesses that some of your listeners might be familiar with, with Sapa Sushi, Um Fatfish, Fish Purgatory. We also have our our medical cannabis company Dragonfly, where we're vertically integrated and we uh, are the, we're the first cannabis Utah cannabis business to Utah. Uh, my family, we are refugees from Vietnam. Been here since 1983. Uh, grew up on the west side of Salt Lake. But I've been in our district in District 23 for the better part of, about on and off for of the last 20 five years
0: and you you mentioned where you're located at and we say house district 23 you and i know where that's at but some of our listeners may not know could you help pinpoint where exactly house district 23 is located yeah so i've
1: been saying this for so many times for the last six months but House District Twenty Three is sandwiched in between Rice Echo Stadium, so everything south of Rice Echo Stadium, and then everything north of I Eighty East, and then effectively everything Eleventh East and above. And we actually do go into Summit County as well. Into we represent one hundred thirteen homes in Summit uh, Summit Park in Summit County.
0: So that's obviously the district you're running in, but most importantly, why are you running for this seat and why are you running for it this year?
1: So, you know, it's all about timing. I have been up on the hill for the last five years representing my family business up there, advocating for more patient rights, patient accessibility, as a small business owner, talking about liquor laws since we own restaurants and bars. Um, And I've noticed after five years of being up there, there wasn't enough two reasons. First, there's not enough women up on the hill. Women only make up 26% of the Utah legislative seats, whereas nationally women hold 32%, which is still really outrageously low. Second, I noticed was there wasn't a lot of family like my own up on the Hill. Um, Refugees, uh, new Americans to the country being able to have their voice heard up on the Hill. So that started really getting me thinking about, about wanting to represent more women and more more diversity up on the Hill. Senator Escamilla years ago came to me and asked if I would consider running for the uh, Senate. And at the time, we were just starting our new arm of our cannabis business. So it wasn't the right time. But now five years later, where we've kind of gotten things uh, a lot more stabilized, I, I wanted to be able to, go up there and and represent, bring those different stories and experiences like mine up on the Hill. So now it's just a better time for me to be able to get up there. Um, Got a lot of support along the way. And and I think it's going to be a very successful run to get up to the House.
0: And how has this campaign been so far? What are you hearing from voters? And kind of what are you doing to engage voters so far out from the election?
1: So where I am, you know, where I've spent the majority of my my professional career as a business owner, I've really been hyper focused on on building those companies that I've built. For the last six months, since I've decided to make a run for the house, I've been going out and engaging with um, engaging with the community. And what's been so fascinating is just listening to all the diverse voices out there currently in our district, all the things that they are concerned about. And what I found was it wasn't, unfamiliar to me. The things that the community care about right now are the things that I deeply care about in terms of our educational system, um, our environment, access to clean air, to water, to preserving the beautiful trails we have here in the foothills. Um, And then the other concern is affordability right now, managing the growth that we have. What I've done for the last six months is what I call the listening tour. I've gone to a lot of these community events, community councils, And I went as a a citizen, just sitting and listening and learning from my neighbors, from people who live in this valley on what keeps them up at night, what matters most to them. And I've, I've learned a lot. And that's what I mean by, you know, living in this district in this community for the last 30 plus years we all have a lot of the same um things that we want to improve in this community so it's been it's been refreshing to to hear what people are saying and to have it aligned with what what i care about as well
0: that's really awesome to hear and awesome to hear that you've been so engaged so far out from the election and trying to understand where your voters are at how you can maybe uh amplify some of their concerns as a legislator. Um, We are, as our listeners know, a redistricting-based organization. We were formed around Proposition 4, creating an independent redistricting commission here in the state. And in House District 23 in particular, Prop 4 passed with over 75% of the vote. It was one of the best districts for Prop 4 in the entire state of Utah. So, Hung, you've been out talking to voters for six months now. Why do you think voters were so supportive of Proposition 4 and of independent redistricting?
1: Well, first, this district in Salt Lake Valley is the second highest voting turnout district. So I was not surprised at all when... when. Um, Prop 4 passed with over 75% of the vote. This is a very, um, very highly civically engaged district. They want to be represented. They want to have their values heard, um, up on the hill. So it was not surprising to hear that, that this district voted, you know, for Prop 4 with over 75% of the vote. Um, it's, it's interesting to, to think about, like, Right now, we always hear that Salt Lake City is that blue dot in the red, in the very much Red Sea here. And so when, when the um, independent redistricting maps were rejected and the, and the legislature kind of proposed their own map within the, you know, within few days before they turned out their own map that they voted and adopted it was devastating it was devastating what happened to our district um, especially in Salt Lake County where we were uh, separated by four different uh, congressional districts so it's it's not surprising that that our district is not happy with what happened with with the independent with the redistricting
0: and Obviously, in addition to the congressional maps, there were state legislative maps that were approved, including a state house map. Um, Your district's currently represented by Representative Brian King, uh, who served as House Minority Leader during the 2021 special session on redistricting. And, you know, he has this position of leadership. And despite that, he supported the legislature's state house map. Which was drawn behind closed doors uh, to protect incumbents and which independent analysis has shown is a partisan gerrymander just like the congressional map and in house district 23 in particular you've noted 113 houses were taken from summit county and combined with part of salt lake city in in the state house map and representative king supported it and has defended it on multiple occasions so hung you're running against representative king um, obviously, when you're challenging an incumbent, sometimes there are points of difference. So, on the issue of redistricting, how are you different?
1: In particular, when it was redistricted to include that 113 homes in Summit County, that was a major disservice to Summit County to those residents living up in Summit Park. The much like what happens with gerrymandering in general, where you don't necessarily have the majority of those uh, those being represented represented by their their um, different political leaders, I think Summit County has their very unique challenges that are unique to Summit County, and those 113 households are left out of what ge- what most Salt Lake City will be represented by. But that being said, you know where this is a state seat. Uh, I will be working hard to represent both Salt lake City and summit county up on the hill now where I'm different than the representative on these redistricting issues is you know what I've heard a lot of the time when I'm out in the community is they have not heard from their representative in a long time they haven't seen them at their community councils they haven't seen them at their local community events and so they're not able to really share with their representative what their concerns are at over redistricting. My biggest different issues on redistricting is I'm not here doing this just to represent myself. I'm here doing this to represent the will of the people and what it is that the people that I'm choosing to run to represent what they want, what their desires are, what they are concerned with. And I think in this whole process during the redistricting, um, their, their will, their voices were not taken into consideration enough during that process. So my biggest difference here is I want to be able to go and be that voice out there that represents our district, sharing those concerns with them, getting ahead of it rather than working behind closed doors. I want to make it a very inclusive process because that's the whole reason why I am running is just to represent people, not represent what I want and my own best interest here.
0: And that's really great to hear, because unfortunately, a lot of legislators, no matter how well intentioned um, at the end of the day, they did take into consideration their own future political prospects, uh, obviously, when the state legislative maps were drawn. Uh, the state legislature included where the addresses of incumbents were so they could ensure that incumbents were able to keep their seats. Uh, And like you said, that doesn't really represent the community as much as the self-interest of, um, you know, the 100-plus legislators uh, in Utah. So obviously, we talked about uh, the votes of of Representative King. Uh, He he also had this position of leadership uh, where he could have led on the issue of independent redistricting. And if you're in a position of leadership in the future, in a future redistricting cycle, um, how will you approach redistricting issues, especially as compared to, uh, and and you touched on this a little bit, uh, but especially as compared to the current representation and the current uh, and the leadership in 2021?
1: Yeah. With redistricting, where it happens every 10 years after the census and we just went through the cycle, I think it's important to work ahead of it. Like I said, where right now we should start advocating on a federal level for federal legislation that bans gerrymandering, you know, what happened this past summer in Alabama where, um, the it was upheld through the supreme court that there was racial gerrymandering happening in a lot of um uh, uh, majority black voting districts which you know upheld that the 1965 voting uh, rights act that's something that we can use as a rippling effect as we go forward to show that gerrymandering is happening not you know not just on racial uh partisan line but also you know, heavily on partisan lines right now, and what I would do if I was in leadership is start actively, proactively working now before we get to the next uh, redistricting time that will happen again in another. Um, you know, closer to after the census is in another. Is, are we eight years out from another, another redistricting again? So now. In the meantime, while we have those eight years, we start working on, you know, when I was looking into gerrymandering back then when Prop 4 was passed, you know, what came out was the best way to really address gerrymandering was the two-party planning Right. Where we get to everyone gets to have a fair seat at the table to to get and choose and draw the maps based on based on not just their own political interests or where the incumbent currently lives, but making it fair and equal on both sides. Now, I know that sounds really rosy and it isn't always how it works, especially in the state of Utah, where. Democrats are the super um, minority party here. But if we can start advocating both on the local end and start working with Republicans and work on the federal level to start putting those policies in place so that by the time we get to the next redistricting um, timeline again, we have rules and laws in place that helps protect against gerrymandering. Does that make sense? That's kind of a roundabout way of, <laughs> of saying we need to start actively working now to protect yeah, ourselves. Yeah. And,
0: and what I appreciate about that is is noting that these issues, uh, there, are, there obviously is this 10-year timeline, but during these 10 years, we have the ability to uh, impact, to persuade, to show that there's a better way. Um, and I, I really think that if we have more legislators who are willing to do that, to do the hard work in these intervening 10 years between censuses, uh, it, it will put us in a better position in the future to have districts that more accurately reflect our communities. Uh, yeah. So let's so. talk your. I, I, uh, your can I,
1: sorry, can I jump yes. in with that That's also? Absolutely. No. With my time up on the Hill for the last few years, I have spoken with plenty of Democrats and with Republicans and Republican leadership as well. And what they are finding is this whole lopsidedness of so many more extreme Republicans, conservative Republicans. And then on the on the Democrat side, we are losing seats. And I have heard from Republican leadership that says this lopsidedness doesn't help the help um, make a fair and balanced uh, rulings on different policies and laws that are placed, and and they have said that they want more fair and equal balanced um, legislation up there, or legislatures up there who who can come together, work across the aisles. And to me, when the Republican leadership does say that, though it doesn't sound it seems contradictory to what you hear out in the media, what you see in the news. Um, it, it gives me hope that that once elected up there, that I can start working with both Democrats and Republicans to make it a little bit more fair and balanced. And that's to, for me, for me, that's the way I see forward to trying to advocate for bills and put bills in place so that once we get to uh, redistricting again, we will have more protections um, from the Democrat side.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think that it is really important to obviously engage both parties on this issue, um, from, from better boundaries perspective. We've been to both Republican and Democrat uh, party conventions over the last couple of years, engaging voters and what they say over and over, very similar to your community is, you know, we, we want our communities to be reflected in these districts, even really extreme Republicans or Democrats at the end of the day, they want to be able to organize with their neighbors around issues that matter wow. to them. And the current lines just, just don't do that. So this kind of forward wow. momentum working, uh, working together, hopefully over the next uh, few years can put us in a position where, um, where the community members will feel engaged and empowered for redistricting cycles in the yes. future.
1: And, and that was the surprising thing that I think most people don't realize is, you know, as people especially on the Democratic side, thinking with gerrymandering that it only hurt our, our districts, our heavily Democratic districts in Salt Lake County, but... Th- Rural Utah also was very much opposed to um, the proposed districts because they felt like there's no reason why rural Utah with their very different concerns should be should have the same representation as people in more urban areas like Salt Lake County and Utah County and Davis County. And so it was very interesting to see how the the constituents, the voter will was really um, thwarted when these maps came out. And and you know it was it was refreshing in my opinion to see that rural Utah had as much complaint and issues with these maps as as um, as Salt Lake County residents did.
0: Yeah, no, and, and I think it goes to show that the the maps themselves, right? It, it's at the end of the day, there is a partisan gerrymandering component. But with partisan gerrymandering comes the splitting up of communities, including rural Utah in disproportionate ways that hurts um hurts the voters there um and so th- that's a really important point your race obviously is coming up your primary race is in june of next year uh you're you've been going hard for the last six months you've got several months to go what do you and your team have planned between it's it's september and now now what do you have planned over the next several months before the june primary
1: yeah we are right now in our particular district um in Salt Lake City on the East Bench here. We have the mayor is up for re-election and we have the councilman, uh, Dan Dugan, who's up for re-election as well. And so I know a lot of my neighbors right now are very um, hyper-focused on those two races to see what happens. So for my end of it, for the rest of 2023, um, I really do plan on um, meeting with as many delegates in the district as I can, start fostering those relationships, um, start conti- start. I and mean, continue to keep going to those community councils and whatever community events. Finish my listening tour for 2023. And then in 2024, we are going to really be hitting it hard. Um, what I've done with my campaign is I've hired uh, – much my campaign manager, uh, Janessa Jamo, she's 24. She just graduated from Westminster last year. And I really believe in wanting to activate the younger voices, the voices that I'm hoping to represent and, and fight for over the next while, you know, once elected up there. And so I've hired a lot of younger, more civic minded Uh, team who we're going to really go out there and start activating more of those younger, um, younger population here, and making sure that they do vote. Uh, We're doing a grassroots style campaign where we will be knocking on as many doors as we can. We will be going out there to get signatures. Um, I am where we have Westminster and the U of U residential, uh, apartments, residential housing is in our district. I really wanna go and engage with those younger voters as well and uh, do allow the turn off of vote, register to vote uh, events in our district. Um, But at the same time, I really want to focus on the families where education right now, where my kids are in the local public school district, where I grew up and was heavily relied on public education. We have a lot of young families here in this area that are really concerned with what's happening with our public education. So I want to go out and meet those families at their doorstep, listen to what their concerns are, listen to what their ideas are so that we can continue to keep improving our educational system here for our kids for the next generation of utahns here so i'm going to be active you're going to see me everywhere out there if you see me please say hi i need i need people to really like engage um share with me their stories i'd love to share with them my stories and kind of find that path forward how we can make a better utah for all our utahns not just here in the valley but across the state
0: that's that's fantastic to hear and as a final question uh, how can our listeners and supporters help in the next several months to get you elected
1: yeah thank you for that question there's there's just so many ways right now where um where you know i've been told fairly so that i'm a political nobody right that i haven't been as engaged with with the democratic party but the reality is being a business owner a small family owned business we've been out there i've i've built community i've created jobs i've learned what it means to to make this community better and so i do reject the notion that i'm a political nobody but when it comes to democratic values i've lived that democratic values through and through my whole life and through what we've been able to do with sapo investment group um so how how listeners can help support is tell tell your family and friends and neighbors about me i'm out there you know once elected i will be the first refugee uh lawmaker elected to elected to the state legislature and I will be the first Vietnamese American elected to the legislature. These are a lot of firsts that I'm trying to accomplish here. And the only way I can get it done is by people in this district in District 23 and others going out, supporting, telling their friends about me, engaging um with me and and making sure that, that we win the primary vote uh, in June here. Um, I need I need uh, volunteers. We're gonna go g- gather signatures in January. I'm gonna be knocking on as many doors as I can. You know, I my son my oldest son Kai goes to Indian Hills here, and he's only in the second grade. So I've been working my way through being more engaged in the in his school there. But I need a lot more young families like my own to want to go and rally for me. So whatever support you can get um, get involved contact me through hongforhouse.com. that's our website please reach out because you will hear back from me if you do engage with me
0: that's fantastic and thank you hong so much for joining us today uh for your commitment uh first of all for supporting the voters in your district by promoting community-based and transparent redistricting and of course, also for being out engaging with the community and uh, we need more engaged legislators who understand the issues on the ground the way you are learning. To be involved in Hong's campaign, uh, like Hong said, you can go to hungforhouse.com. That's H-O-A-N-G-F-O-R-H-O-U-S-E dot com. You can also learn more about the Better Boundaries Accountability Pack by going to betterboundaries.org slash pack. And to be involved in the Better Boundaries Accountability Pack and our support for Hong and other pro-accountability candidates, you can email me at kyle at betterboundaries.org. Thank you so much for listening today. On our next episodes, we'll continue to keep you updated on our electoral efforts, as well as the litigation surrounding Utah's congressional districts.